Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Vegas Never Sleeps, an audio postcard from the fabulous Las Vegas Strip. I'm Stephen Maggi. On this Valentine's Day weekend, we discuss a couple of topics that Americans love. Up first, you'll meet Sam Ratcliffe, the driving force behind Vegas Rock Dog Radio, a great show that combines dog talk with music. Sam and I will discuss all of this, including cats as well. Later, you'll get a preview of the Pennzoil 400, the first of two Vegas NASCAR races in 2020, from our friend Jeff Motley from the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And our regulars are here as well. Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com talks about a couple of hotels in downtown Vegas that are great values for visitors on a tight budget. Brett Maley of Pawn Stars is back with the Vegas Art Minute. Brett, who is a renowned art appraiser, discusses how he can help you even if you are buying internationally. Michael Shackelford, also known as the Wizard of Odds, is here as well. This week, Michael rants about a topic that drives him crazy. Companies that claim they can provide you with a system that always wins. In America's first master sommelier, Eddie Osterlin is away this week, but he'll be back next week. This show is all about Vegas, but one of our favorite things besides Vegas is dogs. And we have the perfect guest for that. No, I'm not calling her anything. It's Sam Radcliffe. She's the host of a great show called Vegas Rock Dog, the Vegas Rock Dog radio show. And, of course, you're a great animal lover. But, Sam, first of all, tell us what the uh, Vegas uh, Rock Dog show is. What it is is, this way I describe it, it's a rock and roll show about pets, people, and pop culture. So we cover all animals. We cover people related to animals in one way or another, whether they're doing something for animals or uh, they've got great stories. And, of course, we try and throw in some pop culture around it, all related to animals. So that's basically what the entire show is about. But that's... That's a lot of topics that you can cover when you have that kind of a broad, you know, know, animals. Now, it did start off just as dogs. But now we've just included all the animals. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and throwing. I, in fact, I'm glad you brought that up because I was looking through your episodes. I saw about cats. I go, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, cats don't get much FaceTime. They don't get much radio time. <laughs> Neither do rabbits. Yeah, it's <laughs> but yeah we it's cover them all. Yeah. We've covered puffins. We've covered uh, reptiles. I mean, you name it, we've covered it. A puffin pet? That sounds great. Well, not as, a, not as <laughs> yeah. a pet. They're very interesting little creatures, though. Yeah. But yeah, it's and and, that, and the great thing is is. You know, you get to learn about animals from different parts of the world that we don't have here. Yeah. You know, and so it's, it, we make it as interesting well, quickly, as possible. Puffin, penguin, they look like they're yes. the same, but what's the difference? <laughs> well, one's very small in stature. <laughs> <laughs> and they do burrow under the ground. People don't know that on the top of cliffs. No, yes. They, oh. They're so interesting. They're so interesting, yeah. And you can, if you put your ear to the ground, you can usually hear them in the burrows and stuff. 
Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of research going on with them, you know, like the the decline of them in one area, how they're breeding more in another area, how climate, you know, comes into them, that kind of thing. But yeah, it's really interesting. Wow. Yeah, I love all animals. Well, that's great. And of course, let's start with dogs. We all love dogs. and. What I like about that, you had a really interesting episode that I listened to. I thought it was fascinating, but it was like getting a dog ready for the arrival of a new baby. And I thought, boy, that is such an important thing. And we don't think about that. We don't think about that. And more often than not, I see people give up their dogs because they didn't prepare prior to the baby coming home. And it's the, I can't. I just could never imagine doing that, not in a million years. So I felt that episode was so important because, as I say, people generally don't prepare. They kind of hope for the best. Or they do this big intro to the dog and the dog is just freaked out by what is this. It doesn't recognize it as a, as a walking human being, you know what right. I mean? Okay. It makes weird noises, you know, it's unpredictable. And you, you're going to set yourself up for, for a real nightmare. But the preparation's easy because you do it while you're pregnant. And you just basically, you, you role play all the things you're going to do once the baby comes home. Oh, okay. Can, so that, that becomes part of like, because dogs are very uh, process oriented. They in are. They like a routine. They know when things have changed. And so for you to just all, all of a sudden change and a new, new baby shows up and you don't get as many walks or they're not as long. Or why am I in this area? Why can't I go in that room? It's, it's too much for a, for a dog to deal with. Plus, you're putting more stress on yourself too. If right. you're the one that's having the baby, you really are putting stress on yourself, worrying about that situation. So, you know, you've, got your, you've already got your stroller, so you get a baby doll and you take your dog for a walk with the stroller and the baby doll in it. You walk around with the baby doll, you change the baby doll's diapers, and the dog gets used to these new routines and, and it's inclusive of the dog. And you can play baby sounds. I mean, think about, I don't want to say the word, A-L-E-X-A, in case you've got one around here. <laughs> yeah, but, no. I mean, you could say... You know, play baby sounds, play a baby crying, play, play a baby cooing. Great idea. All those Great things. Idea. I mean, those things work for dogs that are scared of thunderstorms and fireworks where you can do some desensitization way ahead of it all happening, you know, all associated with treats or things that they love, you know. And it's all positive. So that, well, that's, people, people don't get it, too, because dogs, like when cats will have kittens, the dogs are very good about that. They, yeah. they kind of like it. But again, maybe it's the stress people put on. They're so worried about it that the dog picks up on the stress. I think so. I think so. I think everybody gets crazy stressed. They're stressed about, well, the new, ba- new baby's showing up. <laughs> What's that right. going to be like? <laughs> Life's going to change. And then they worry about how the dog's going to react. So mm. that preparation, you do it months ahead, and it's gradual, and it's easy. Where you, If you know that, you know what, I won't be the one that's walking my dog like I normally do. It'll be, I don't know, my brother's going to come over. Then you've got to get the brother to come over months before and start doing these walks at the time you think they're going to happen. And if they're shorter, that's when you start them. You know, so the dog is used to, oh, you know, so-and-so comes over and walks me and we do a short walk. And that way it just becomes super familiar and it lowers the stress, you know. But there's no big, and when the baby comes home, there's no big, ta-da, here's the presentation of a baby. Yeah, right. There's none of that. There really isn't. It's about just... Existing together in a very calm, easy, slow way with boundaries and right. an inclusion in a very safe manner. That's the most important thing is it's, you've just got to be so safe. I mean, I see you've seen them, those awful photos and videos, kids oh, pulling yeah. dog's ears and stuff. I'm like, wow. The, yeah. There's always a warning before a bite. Right. Always. And I, it, I see those videos and I just, oh, my gosh. I, I think, it's why awful. would you do that? You know? But, yeah, it's, it's a very... It's, it's like, it's kind of a, a non-introduction of the baby. 
More with Sam Radcliffe, the host of Vegas Rock Dog Radio, in just a moment. Time now for your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com. Looking to stay somewhere in downtown Las Vegas that will offer real value? Scott has a couple of suggestions. You remember last week, Scott recommended Whiskey Liquor Up over at Binion's. That's a property that has a lot going on. Uh, the other aspect of Binion's that's new is the Apache Hotel, or Hotel Apache, as they say. Uh, and that's, that is named after an original element of that uh, footprint. And the Hotel Apache, they're really playing up the ghost and haunted aspect, which is strange. Very simple rooms, very basic uh, interior design. They only have probably 60 or 80 rooms. It's not a full hotel tower. Uh, But they've added that recently. It's kind of fun. It's kind of a throwback. Kind of there's antiques in the room. And they really play up this idea. It was on Ghost Hunters. Isn't that a TV show? That was, uh, uh, it was featured on there. So they play up this, I don't know if anybody actually believes in ghosts, but it's a great marketing hook. Yeah, so this restaurant especially, uh, Whiskey Liquor Up, is really a great addition to Binion's because it's fun, there's booze, there's food. And the one thing you can get for sure at Binion's and the sister property, which is Fort Queens, owned by the same company, is they're really committed to value, which means cheap booze, cheap food, quality food. And they're, they are not caught up in this whole realm of just, gou- you know, gouging. Like Fort Queens, no, no resort fee. It's one of the few uh, hotels in town that has no resort fee. So that's a big deal, too. I do think... Uh, this new bar and restaurant, Whiskey Liquor Up, it, it has an opportunity for people to dance. And I think they even had like VR modules in there, so virtual reality stuff. They got the video poker. It's just a fun all-around place and a really great value. Scott will be back again next week. Remember to check out VitalVegas.com every day. When it comes to Las Vegas, nobody knows more than Scott Robin. You can also follow Vital Vegas on social media everywhere you look. When you visit Las Vegas, you're always looking for fun things to do. And I think one thing you got to put on your list is the Neon Museum. It's fantastic. What a way to learn the history of Las Vegas, but by the signs that go back all the way to the 1930s. Really unique Las Vegas experience, so you can learn the history and have a blast. Go to neonmuseum.org. That's neonmuseum.org. More with Sam Radcliffe, the host of Vegas Rock Dog Radio, in just a moment. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the BizTalk Radio Network. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Sam Ratcliffe of Vegas Rock Dog Radio, a rock and roll show about pets, people, and popular culture. <laughs> I mean, part of this, uh, just getting in dog ownership at all, you got to realize there's a commitment to this. And the whole idea of turning in a dog, I mean, unless there's some sort of reason where you absolutely can't, that's yeah. just horrible. Well, it is. because, And I think people sometimes get dogs out of convenience. We'll get pets out of convenience. But the whole point is, like you say, the commitment. But the commitment is to give them a life that satisfies a dog not satisfies you. I mean, the satisfying part for you is that you love your dog and your dog's with you. But you have to make sure you give that dog a home where all of its needs are met. And and there there are things called... um, uh, There are five freedoms of animal welfare. 
and they apply to all animals all over the world. And basically, it's freedom of space, so not locked up in a cage all day or crate all day. uh, freedom, a, a, comfort, a comfortable place to lay, appropriate food for them, um, timely uh, veterinary care. Right. You know, so you have to look at those things. And for a dog to be a dog or a cat to be a cat, you have to provide enrichment for them, things that satisfy their natural instincts. You know, like cats, for example, there are... Here's the awful thing. The number one killer of cats is euthanization. Mm. People taking them in to have them put down because there's a problem with the cat. The cat's, you know, peeing outside the litter box. I mean, that is just a horribly sobering statistic. And so you have to look at what are these behaviors. Why is my cat doing this? A lot of cats are are stressed out. I think it's now 70% of of cats in the home are stressed out or bored out their brains. You know, so you have to provide enrichment. You've got to provide, I think the biggest problem for cats is they they don't get to hunt their, their food. Yeah, you, they don't get to hunt their food. They don't get to you know play with it. They don't get to eat it and nap and then repeat that six times throughout the day because that's what they usually do. They eat small and often, and, and it keeps them very active. Um, and I have a friend who came out with a product that is an amazing product that's satisfying that that hunt really? prey drive. Yeah, work. it's this is how it works. It's like six little plastic. They're the size of a mouse. So the food you put inside of them is about the same calories as a mouse. And have a guess how many calories are in a mouse. How many calories are in a mouse? <laughs> 35. 35? It's not a lot of calories, is it? You no. Know? But it's the size of that. And then it's covered in like a neoprene. It's got little ears. It's got a little tail. There's six of them. You hide them all over the house. Oh, it's great. So the first three you hide in the morning. And your cat gets to look for its food, play with it. Eat, eat the food inside of it. What a great idea. Nap. They're active. They, they get to move around. They're not bored. And then at nighttime, lots of people's cats wake them up at night to feed. And they go, well, why, why do they want food? There's food in the bowl. It's because of that night. Normally, they, that's when they're hunting later really? on. And they don't wake up in the middle of the night. Does that end up making them hunters? So if you do get an unwanted little creature in there? It's the, I tell you something. If you do get a mouse and your cat brings it in or a bird, you've got a very happy cat. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so at night time you put another three out, you know, and you can, they can be more challenging as you go along, you know. You've got to teach I them want a music. cat to do that. Isn't That's that great? So Thank you. So, yeah, so yeah. My, my friend, she's... Um, She's getting these amazing emails where she's saying, my cat no longer pees, in the, pees outside the, wow. um, the litter box. Uh, there's no fighting with the other cats. And, the, and she said there's no problems if you've got multiple cats. She said you just buy them their set of six. Cats like to, they're solitary. They like that to eat, a great eat by idea. themselves. Isn't that amazing? It really is. It makes is. me so happy because I'm like, a cat needs to be a cat. And yeah. she always says to me, you can't uncat a cat, Sam. So you've got to <laughs> embrace all of their traits. Well, do you think some people that have cats, they, they, they get the cat because it's easier than the dog, yes. but they really want a dog because they expect yeah. the cat to do all the dog things. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it's true. It's really true. I think people need to just kind of really think, why am I getting a dog? Why am I getting a cat? Why am I getting a rabbit? And really, what do they need? And there's so much information out there. I mean, our show covers so much stuff right. that, you know, how do I, I mean, I think most people will go, oh, I need to go and get the dog bed, the crate, the, you know, the, the leash, the collar, the right. treats, the da, 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 <laughs> but... Think about enrichment. I think that's one of the biggest things that's missing. I mean, my dogs, they get all kinds of enrichment, but one of them is called a snuffle mat. And I just mm. love that name. And it's yeah. basically, it's basically a, a mat that's covered in short pieces of felt mm-hmm. and you can hide treats inside and they've got to snuffle around and, and find their treats. And they'll be in that snuffle mat for 20 minutes. 
Let's talk about dogs. Let's talk about breeds. Uh, okay. What if you're like me where I don't want to go out for long walks? <laughs> right. I'm going to be the lazy dog. What kind of lazy dog would be good for me? You're going to be shocked. A great, a greyhound? You're kidding. Or a Great Dane. Yes. Believe, a great Dane. Believe, I can ride it. Believe it or not. They, they're not. They enjoy exercise, but they also really enjoy relaxing too and being at home on the couch. It's true. It's so true, you know. But yeah, I think when you are looking for a dog, I mean, and you do, and people, here's the thing. I work with over 30 rescues with my charity. So for me, it doesn't matter about breeds. I love all dogs. It doesn't matter to me. But some people love a certain breed and there's no reason why, you know, they can't get their own breed. We've got so many breed specific rescues now. It's serious. It's like, you don't need to go a breeder. We've got dogs and rescues we've got St. Bernard's I mean we've got them all but I think like you said you've got to think about what's my lifestyle what can I I don't want my lifestyle to, to impact this dog's life if I don't have the time for a dog that really enjoys you know walking or running how, how do I impact a dog if I bring it into my home when you bring it home. Well, I know you're a big fan of rescues, yeah. and I am too. What do you recommend, though, for people that uh, really want a dog and they go, like, okay, you know, I don't need to go to a, a puppy farm or anything right. like that. You know, I'm going to get it. What are the type of things they should do? I mean, should they get out there and really spend some time? Because you want to make that right choice. Yeah, take your time. And here's a nice thing. Rescues right now, and by the way, if people don't know this, if you're buying um, a pet from a pet store, it is absolutely from a puppy mill. Because a, a decent breeder who's registered and, you know, there are certain things you need to look for with a breeder um, – legitimate breeders don't put their puppies in pet stores and they don't sell them online. They don't do those kind of things and they don't sell them on Craigslist, you know, those kind of things. More from Sam Radcliffe of Vegas Rock Dog Radio in just a moment. Time now for your Vegas Art Minute with Brett Mealy, art appraiser from Pawn Stars and co-owner of Art Encounter, the great fine art gallery in Las Vegas. People know you, they've, they've come down here, they've bought stuff from you and then you get a phone call, and it's from Brazil or Chile or some other part of the world. And they say, I see something in this gallery I really like, but geez, is it something where – is there a way you could check either by going on that particular gallery's website, assuming they have one, or, or, or making a call to somebody there? Because I know people that use this place really trust Art Encounter, and probably if they're in a different place, they'd feel better if they got a, yeah, that sounds right. Sure, and then you have additional barriers, language barriers, and things like that that you're having to overcome too, and it, it's a challenge. And as an appraiser, whenever possible, I try to put myself before the work before I give an opinion on it because the, the devil's in the details. You, you know, the impasto of the work, the condition, the you know, crack luring effect, you know, discrepancies in the signature, all of those things you can't really see well from photographs. So, I, again, I try to offer my services the best way I, I can long distance, and I'm very flattered that people will reach out to me internationally because they've seen me and they, they trust me, which I appreciate. But sometimes I do have to say I'm sorry. There's not much more I can do without a physical inspection because the last thing I want to do is mislead people by you know, overstepping my bounds or making assumptions based on partial information. You can visit Brett at Art Encounter, and if you mention that you heard about Art Encounter on Vegas Never Sleeps, they're going to send a limo to pick you up at your hotel. More with Sam Radcliffe, the host of Vegas Rock Dog Radio, in just a moment. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi nationwide on the BizTalk Radio Network. This is Justin Shando, the 2010 Ultimate Elvis Tribute Artist. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi.
You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Today's show is brought to you in part by 360debtfree.com. Do you think a 30-year mortgage is necessary to own a home? Think again. You can have all your debts, including your mortgage, paid off as early as five to seven years. Find out how. Go to 360debtfree.com and get your free ebook. Turn your debt into wealth. That's 360debtfree.com. You are listening to Sam Ratcliffe of Vegas Rock Dog Radio, a true animal lover and advocate for animal welfare. But yeah, definitely analyze your own lifestyle and then, and also look at cost because, you know, a bigger dog's going to cost more to feed. You know, those, those kind of things. You've got to really put it all together. Think about if you're going traveling, do, can you afford to have a sitter? Right. You know, I mean, I've literally known people reach out to me and say, um, I've got to go away for, I'm going away for two weeks on holiday. And um, do you know of any rescue that will take my dog while I'm gone for two oh, weeks? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, hang on, <laughs> hang on a minute here. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. A lot of rescues will offer, offer pet sitting services, but no, you don't get to just give them your dog for two weeks and not yeah. expect to pay to look after them. And then it's weird. It's, it's, it's I, get, weird. I get it all, Steve. They wouldn't honestly. do that with their kids. Would, you know? well, I don't know. People saying. might. <laughs> I mean, I've known people, uh, they did drop their dogs off at the shelter and gone yeah. on holiday and come back and, and were upset that their dog wasn't there. Are you kidding me? But they're up, yeah, it's, yeah. No, I should write a book about this. Yeah, you should, <laughs> because I think people really need to research that. For example, yeah. I know these, I grew up in a household where, uh, although we had dogs, my mom was pretty good about it, but it was one of these things where the house was, you, you couldn't pick a time of the day where it wasn't just pristine. Wow. Well, shedding dogs can be a problem. Yes, <laughs> you know? honestly, yeah. Yes, if you don't like a shedding dog, get a dog that doesn't shed. If you don't want to pay for grooming, and grooming, I pay more for my dog to get groomed than my own hair. <laughs> be, are, are you prepared for that expense? Right. You know, you've got to, they've got to be groomed, they've got to get the nails clipped, you've got to put all those those expenses in. And it can be quite costly, you know, and, and, and what are you going to, how are you going to feed? I mean, I'm a raw feeder, so I do, I, I spent, actually I spent a little bit less than I've ever done now, because uh, I've kind of got down to a fine science, but you have to decide, uh, am I going to be feeding? raw? Am I going to be feeding a dehydrated food? Am I going to be feed, feeding a kibble? How much does all this cost? You know? Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, you, and then you're going to factor in some, some vet visits. Well, it's kind of funny. My, my daughter uh, took a rescue in, you know? Oh. Yeah. And it was mostly, mostly a, uh, not a golden retriever, the other dog. What's it? A Labrador. Labrador. Yeah, Labrador. Yeah. Mostly Labrador, black lab, but there's something else in there. But, but, but anyway, <laughs> he was got rescued. He was walking the streets of another town, you know, and they, they found him. So he, they get along great. But it's just funny because they will only feed him like the best dog food. I mean, oh, we can't have any cereal. I go, he used to eat out of a garbage can. And he, and he eats like that too because he just gobbles anything he gets. Because he's like, yeah, I found yeah. food. I'm eating it. It's, it's funny you mention that. I've got a friend and her dog is 20 years old at least. At least. And uh, found him in Italy when they went on their very lavish honeymoon. The day they got there, they thought the dog was dead on a doorstep. Yeah. And, um, it actually was alive. She fell in love. Them. She said the instant, not even before the dog even opened it, yeah. its eyes, the ear, the ear popped up, and she was like, yeah. "Let's cancel the whole honeymoon." And yeah. it was an extravagant, amazing honeymoon to get the dog back to England. Oh, but that true. dog had eaten from restaurant trash cans, oh, yeah. you know, which probably pretty nice food in Italy yeah, but, and all honesty. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but when she got back, he wouldn't eat kibble. 
You wouldn't eat right. dog food. Right, used to it. And it's got a very long story short, she had his own food made for him and manufactured for him in Austria, just wow. for the dog in cans. The best you could ever imagine. Probably better than anything that we eat because it's bio, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, what do they call it? Bio um, organic, which is yeah. an ex- next level up. And now it's an actual brand called The Rockster, which is the dog's name. But... From, for as long as they've had him and kind of age, they think he's, he's 20 years old. And he eats this amazing food, you know. But dogs are interesting. You are listening to Sam Ratcliffe of Vegas Rock Dog Radio, a rock and roll show about pets, people, and popular culture. The other thing, same thing with my daughter, is the, the dog is great, loves everybody, very happy, doesn't bark, which is kind of odd. Wow. But the one thing is... It's very possessive, like if you have like a ball. Right. Not, not with you throwing it, but like if another dog tries to come over there. <gasps> right. And I think that we kind of got that, we got to get all those little idiosyncrasies, particularly in these rescues. Some of them have been through some horrible stuff. They, some have been through such horrific things. I mean, I could tell you things that would just make anyone cry. I mean, I, I've seen, seen so many horrendous things, you know. But really, that's just a resource guarding. It's just a high value yeah. something to that dog. Like, this is my ball. Right. You know, you're not going to come near. <laughs> It, you know, um, and it can be food, it can be treats, it, it can be anything really. It's yeah. called resource guarding because it's just a high value item in their life, you know. Yeah. And so, you do, I mean, you just have to be careful, you know. You got other dogs, like, you know what, maybe we'll play by ourselves, <laughs> you know, so we don't have any altercations, you know, that kind of thing because they just see it as something really high value. Now, another thing to be careful of though is you can make animals obsessive about certain things so you know that the laser pointer thing yeah that can really do a number on cats because they never get to catch it do they right exactly. and it's frustrating and it can cause you more problems in the end um or a dog that you can't you know those weird chuck it things you know you put the tennis yeah. ball in it and you lob it and you just repeatedly do it over and over again the dog can get really hyper aroused not tired but yeah. really stimulated like it's an obsession so you have to be real, really careful how you how you work with your animals, too. I think you should write a book on this, because I think that's really important, and Mm -hmm. I think... You know, we're all worried, like you said, the first thing, you're going to get a dog, you run down to the store and yeah. buy all the fun stuff there. That's for us. That's what, for what us. What does a dog need? That is the best thing that you said. Is it, That's for you. That's that's That satisfies you. It's for your convenience. You know, it makes you feel good, you know. Of course it does, you know, because there is a connection to, oh, I just, I just bought my dog, like, uh, the 12th bed in our house, by the way. And <laughs> the fact that she gets in that is like, oh, she melts in that bed makes me really, really happy. Now, she'd probably be really happy just laying on the floor, in all honesty. Day. But those things do, they obviously evoke a really nice feeling within yourself. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, my dog exactly. loves that. But yeah, really thinking about what do they need, I would say number one enrichment and training. And it can be so much fun training. Oh my gosh! I mean, That's it can a good be the way of looking at it. People look at it as a necessary oh, chore. No, but... It's not. If you make it fun, you will bond with your pet in a way that you will never believe. You have to make it fun. It's what we call positive reinforcement training. Nothing aversive about it. No shock, prong, choke squirting water bottles, shaking a can of coins, throwing bean bags. I mean, the list is probably this long. All aversive, all do not work well for an animal. It's frightening. All of it's frightening or it hurts. Right. You know, so all that has to go out the window and you can do it with whatever they find high value. It could be treats. It could be you've done some training and it's their favorite ball that they love to play with after, you know, so that's the reward. Lots of praise and, and just being positive and you'll get a response on, that's unbelievable. 
unbelievable. That's great. And you'll, you'll hear these chalk collar trainers and stuff. On, they call them e-collars and they'll call them remote collars. It's all the same. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you'll hear them say, ah, oh, cookie pushers. That's what they call these, these positive reinforcement trainers, <laughs> cookie pushers. <laughs> well, you know, I'd rather use a little cookie. <laughs> right, exactly. Than hurt exactly. or scare my dog or have a dog that's paralyzed where with positive reinforcement training, you're showing them what you need and then you reward for that behavior. So all, all the good behaviors that you want, you reward and the dog learns, huh, okay, when I do this, I get that and you get more of that. But what happens with aversive training is there are no choices. Right. It's just zap. How does a dog even know what the heck happened to deserve that? It doesn't. Right, exactly. And we don't, we can't communicate. We're not speaking English together, that's right? right? That's so right. Uh, we don't know. So we're not, we're not replacing a behavior with a good behavior. What we're doing is just stopping a behavior. That's not good enough. You want, you want the dog to understand what you want from them. I mean, you can teach them not to bark by actually right. teaching them to bark. Really? <laughs> it's like a reverse psychology. It, it really is. Yeah. When you actually give a command of, well, we don't really say command anymore, but you say, you know, bark and you praise and you treat, that becomes something that you call upon for the dog to do. So generally, unless you say bark, your dog's eventually won't bark. They're not going to do it. They're not going to. It's a, it's a training has come so far. It's amazing. And if you're ever looking for a trainer, I mean, reach out to me, uh, especially in Vegas. I'll find you the trainer. I know them. We'll tell people. There's like five of them. There's only about five that I would recommend, highly recommend, who are credentialed. They they keep up with their qualifications. They keep up with what's new and all the research. And you're going to hear more from Sam Ratcliffe next week. Coming up, you'll meet Jeff Motley from the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, previewing the upcoming Pennzoil 400 NASCAR race. Time now for statistician, actuary, and expert on gaming odds and probabilities, Michael Shackelford, also known as the Wizard of Odds. This week, Michael discusses those groups that promise they've got a system to beat the odds. If there's one thing that I that bothers me about the world about gambling, it's these um, system sellers, and you see them selling all kinds of different systems called all kinds of different things for every possible game. They usually hinge around roulette or baccarat, but they are all scams. Don't even entertain going down that path. If someone says they found a way to easily beat a game of chance like roulette or baccarat, it's a scam. They are a charlatan. They're a snake oil salesman. They are... You want absolutely nothing to do with these people who are trying to make a profit off of selling something worthless. The Wizard will return again next week. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Manchie, coast to coast on the BizTalk Radio Network. Now, let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Manchie. Las Vegas sports are booming. There's no question about it. But, you know, before the Knights came to town or even before the Raiders get here, auto racing was a big deal in Las Vegas and still is, specifically NASCAR. The Pennzoil 400 is coming February 21st through the 23rd here in Vegas. And with us is our good friend Jeff Motley, the vice president of public relations for the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. A great stop. Even when there's not a race, it's a wonderful place to go. But, Jeff, uh, 
It's always exciting when there's NASCAR races. I want to talk to you about this one specifically. But beforehand, I just want to ask you, as a PR person, there has to be a certain difference between you and maybe some of the other guys in town because there's some great fans that know everything that's about auto racing. But it seems like this sport, there's always some curious people who have heard about it, haven't seen it. And you kind of have to juggle both sides of this, don't you? Yeah, a little bit. I think that's probably part of the case. I mean, you know, everybody knows what NASCAR means. Everybody knows what NASCAR is. But I think one thing that's important to us is we get people out to watch NASCAR. And I think a lot of people, you know, and I kind of compare it in, in some ways to hockey. You know, you watch hockey on TV. You cannot appreciate the speed of a hockey game, the speed of the puck going down the ice, or how fast these guys skate from end to end. And I think when you go to a NASCAR race or any type of, of automobile race, it's kind of the same thing. And I think when you go and you watch it live and you see it, I think then you get a completely different perspective of how fast these cars are going. I couldn't agree more. I think that's a great analogy. And again, going to a Knights game is different than any other sporting event you've seen in a way, If you, when I'm talking about team sports, because of even the excitement. And that's the same thing out of the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, right? I mean, there's a certain excitement that you can't really pick up on television. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, and that's the thing. I think anytime you go to a live sporting event, uh, there's just something different about being there live. I mean, the the crowd is louder. Obviously, it, no matter what the sport is, the game is faster than watching it on television. Uh, but, you know, it, here in Las Vegas, we have two NASCAR event weekends a year. You know, it's a great opportunity to come out and enjoy it live. And then, you know, if you don't want to travel, you don't go to other races, and there's still 34 more you can watch on television. Yeah, and you know what I think is interesting about auto racing, and I'd like you to talk about for a minute, is the idea that it's a weekend. It's not just one event. I mean, Sunday's the big race, but in reality, it's a weekend. And for the casual uh, person that's kind of interested, it's really a great way to get into the sport is to immerse yourself, spend a weekend with it. It's a lot of fun. Well, and that's kind of like what we've got out here coming up in a couple of weeks. You know, we're going to race a little short track uh, race over at our bull ring, our little three-eighths mile pave track, the Star Nursery 100 and 150. The 100 is a super late model race, but the thing that's going to be pretty cool about that is Kyle Busch, uh, who is the reigning NASCAR champion. He's from Las Vegas. He went to Durango High School. He is actually going to make his return to the bull ring, the place where he got his career started way back when he was a, a young kid. I mean, even before he was a teenager, he was racing over there. He hasn't raced on that track in 13 years. He's going to be back over there racing on Thursday night, February the 20th. And then you're right. I mean, we've got racing all weekend long. We run the trucks on Friday night. We run the Xfinity Series on Saturday afternoon. And then the big race, the Pennzoil 400 for the NASCAR Cup Series on Sunday. And we're going to bring, uh, this is a, I am really excited about this. And maybe I'm showing my age, but I am so excited. We're going to bring the night 1980 U.S. Men's Olympic Hockey Team, the Miracle Team, Very to the cool. track on Sunday, and we're going to honor them at the track on Sunday. Uh, I don't know if people realize it, but the day after our race, that Monday, is the 40th anniversary of them uh, winning the gold medal in Lake Placid in 1980. I do not believe there was a bigger sports moment, and not necessarily winning the gold medal. I think beating the Soviet Union, which of course we know doesn't even exist any longer, but I think beating the Soviet Union was probably the single biggest game or event in sports, maybe in the history of sports in the United States. 
So. Yeah, it was an amazing thing. With this Pennzoil 400, I'm always excited about NASCAR coming to town because I think people associate NASCAR specifically with the Deep South, and they don't realize Las Vegas is a great spot for this. I mean, I think the track is a visit any time of the year, but there's something about these weekends that just bring these people in. I mean, you mentioned some of the stuff around town. And you, Kyle Busch coming back, huge thing. What are some of the other things for the novices, for some of us out there that don't follow it regularly? Who are some of the people we should be looking for, and what are kind of the storylines as we head into this weekend? Well, I, there's no question. Obviously, you know, you've got the two Las Vegas kids, the Bush brothers, running on Sunday, and Kurt and Kyle Bush. Um, obviously, I think the Joe Gibbs drivers are, are guys you got to keep an eye on. Denny Hamlin is certainly going to be a factor. He's going to be a guy to beat, as is Martin Truex Jr. Um, you know, Kevin Harvick is always there. The Penske guys, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski. I think we got a, a, the best crop of rookie drivers I could remember in a long time. Uh, I think they're headlined by Christopher Bell, who is sort of going to be running a satellite car, if you will, for Joe Gibbs Racing. He's sort of going to be Kyle Busch's teammate. Um, so I think those are some interesting things to look at. We've also got two other Las Vegas kids, Noah Gregson and Riley Herbst, who are going to be running on Saturday in the Xfinity race. So, you know, you talk about this misnomer of it being a quote-unquote southern sport. Well, okay, it may have been born in Charlotte and Daytona, but I think you've seen the sport completely grow to become a national sport. Well, I agree with you, and I think also what the success of the Motor Speedway has done is it really kind of opened the the door for hockey and football because if there was any question of Las Vegas being a really a locale that's perfect for sports, I think it was proven out at the Speedway. Well, I think there, I, I do believe that there is some merit to that. I think that certainly when NASCAR came here for the first race we had in 1998, you know, the race sold out in like hours. Uh, there was 107,000 people, I think, for that inaugural event. And eventually we ballooned the crowds up to as many as 160,000, I think, uh, on one particular Sunday. Um, but I do believe when it comes to major league professional sports, I think that NASCAR set the gold standard here in Las Vegas. Uh, I think it's nice to know that we were able to kind of set the pace. Well, right now, Pennzoil 400 coming to town February 21st on Friday through Sunday, February the 23rd. Uh, In terms of ticket packages, I know you always have some great stuff. Anything uh, people can look for as they try to decide what they want to do? I think they realize just go on our website at lvms.com and they'll see all the different uh, offerings that we have. We provide everything from transportation out to the the facility, tickets. Uh, There's a lot of fun extras you can do. Go down the Neon Garage where you can see all the drivers and the teams and get some autographs. We've got our Turn 4 Turn Up area where we have a Ferris wheel. We're going to have an ice skating rink. We're going to have a lot of fan engagement type uh, areas over there. We've got a a sports bar inside the facility that's free to anyone that has a ticket. There's just a lot to do you come out here. I don't think there's a sport in the world that really takes care of the fans the way auto racing does. It's incredible. Thanks for listening today. Eddie Osterlin, America's first master sommelier, will be back again next week. Join us then as we finish our conversation with Sam Ratcliffe of Vegas Rock Dog Radio, and you'll also hear about some new technology that will greatly enhance security at large Vegas events. Don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Have a great weekend. This is Stephen Maggi reminding you, Vegas never sleeps. Vegas, here we go!